Shout out 808 Mello. Martial is isolated. Skirtle here. Oh, yes! Welcome to Manchester United. Anthony Martial! Rodgers in trouble. It's going to get there. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in him? Decide not to use it. Curry, way down top. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! What's good, people? Welcome to another episode of the Zone LDM podcast. Did I call it LDM or London? It's been so long, I don't remember it. But anyway, join on me today. Is it LDM, isn't it? I did sell the Zone LDM. How can I forget my own team? That's crazy. But anyway, join me today. We have to the right of my screen on my left shoulder, if I lift it up like that, I've got Richard Oladipupo. How are you, man? It's been a minute. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know. Since we last spoke, Chelsea are still the greats, but you know, Westbrook have was still thriving and here, so you know, it is what it is that stuff. We're never letting that go. Oh, well, I totally forgot about the Westbrook stuff. Oh, don't worry, when the NBA season's coming, I know we've got FIBA right now, but when the NBA is back, don't worry, I've got something for, for Westbrook. But, um, also joining me, we have the co founder of Undiluted Media, Sam. What are you telling me, bro? It's been a minute. I know, man. I'm I'm good, man. Happy to be back. Happy to be with the bros. It's been a minute. It was always fun when we did it. So, like Tony said, we had to bring it back. Or he had to bring it back. And he said, yeah, man, them, let's run it back. And we was like, cool, let's do it. So, Avengers assembled. I like that. Yeah, the Avengers are back. We're missing Abbas and we're missing Jay. But don't worry, the Avengers, we will, in the words of Loki, the, the sun will shine light on us soon, brother. I think he said that. But anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about, man. You know how the um, how the pod goes. We start off with the football. And uh, we can talk about Man United, we can talk about Arsenal, we can talk about the Premier League so far. Obviously, City are 4-4, four and four. Chelsea are doing Chelsea, Liverpool are low-key cooking. I think it's under the radar, but Liverpool are low-key cooking before. But before I get on to Man United, because I don't want to go on a rant, and I've been on rants about Man United, and I know you guys will have your views. I want to start off with Chelsea, because with Chelsea and this whole transfer strategy, some people get it, some people don't. I feel like they're just signing bare young players, and they can do that, they can afford it, because at the end of the day, Chelsea, one thing Chelsea are good at, they're a very good selling club. So even if some of these players don't work out, they'll sell them and they'll make their money back. As you can see, there's there's clubs stupid enough to buy people like Mason Mount and Kai Havertz <laughs> and they can sell well for 65 and 50 million. So Chelsea can always sell well. But Richard, as a Chelsea fan, you're looking at this project and you're thinking, okay, do I like this? Um, do I like this too? What's it called? Do I like this project or is it is there something? Because you're still not winning games. And if we look at your whole Premier League like win percentage or win record under under Bowley, like it's not even a potch situation yet. But if we're talking about since you've been doing this project, 
you might have not been winning games. And you yeah. spent a lot of money and I'm still seeing Conor Gallagher in the lineup. So, like, tell me, from a Chelsea perspective, how is it? Like, what's going on? What's going right? Tell me, tell me what it's saying, yeah. bro. Obviously, as you said, it's not a punch issue because we're still not winning games. Even though I do feel like the issues this season is just is a bit different from the issues um last season with just one common denominator, which is still the injuries factors. Um, I just said I feel it's a thing where we're signing our players, and I think we're trying to go for the talented players to so collect all the as much talented players as possible because at the end of the day, is you said it was spent one billion, you're still seeing Conor Gallagher there as well, but. It's not like we've signed one billion or bare hundred million signings. There's been a lot of like 30 mil there, 25 mil here signing for the future as well. And as I was just saying on the previous thing, like the talent pool in football compared to what it used to be is absolutely shocking. Like there's not really that many world-class players sprinkled around each position. So even if you wanted to go out and splash out and go and start bringing in the Hurricanes and the Highlands of the world, they're just not available, which is why I can see why we're going for the talent thing. I think the issue is we are signing too many players, which, like, for example, in defence, you've got, for, for when Fofana comes back and all the centre-backs come back, Thiago, Fofana, Badia, Sheila, Corwell, um, Disaster, because that's what I'm calling him from now until we start signing up. Already. And, uh, <laughs> There's actually put a new one already, Disaster. All right. Wow. Yeah. Names, bro. And stuff, but, as I said, is a thing where I can't, Say that there's light at the end of the tunnel. I don't think when we lost again, no, no, Forest, that we, we might just never get back to the top again. Because I mean, you've seen it for us, we've been trying for like 19 years to win the Premier League again, and they haven't done it. And United have been trying for like nine years, am I correct? Or oh, it should be ten, yeah, maybe 10 years now. Maybe. Yeah, 10 years now. So it's not easy to say because we've spent money, we're going to get back to the top. It's actually very, very difficult. And at this point, I can't lie, I'm fearing the worst. That we might just become a top four club, Sam, Mister Project. Because I come to you when it comes to projects. Yeah, mm. are you putting your stocks in this Chelsea project? Because I've got some, I've got some stocks in, but I'm not trying yeah. to buy it all in. I wanna, I wanna know what are you, what are your stocks telling me about this Chelsea project? Do you know, what is, in this type of stocks, I gotta hedge my bets in it. I gotta mm. put some stocks in uh, Chelsea and then still keep my stocks in City, obviously, because when I look at this process, I see there's some potential because, like I said previously, knowing Todd Bowley from uh, baseball, my my baseball team is the Dodgers, isn't it? And he's one of the founders there, not founders, sorry, one of the owners. And they, they've spent so much money to help us win a World Series and get to um, a World Series a few times. So I see what he's doing. But like I was saying on um, the Out of Bounds pod, um, in terms of what they're doing, their recruitment, I don't get it because Chelsea fans will tell you that Todd Bowley wants to win now. But if I look at the players that he's bought, there's no one in that team that I'm saying, okay, cool, these guys are ready-made players. And mm. when you, back in the day, if he was buying a player from, for 50 million or 75 million or whatever, you expect him to come into the squad running. And now we're seeing players like Mudrick, where whatever the number is, 60 million, 88 million, 100 million, whatever the number is, he's coming to the team and we don't know what to expect from him. He had one good game in his debut, against Liverpool and then since then he's gone missing he's been smelly so in terms of the the project I like what they're trying to do but I'm just not too sure and one thing I just want to say lastly is that in terms of the project in terms of how we're going to see how it how it transpires is if Todd Bowley continues to spend because one thing that I've been saying on a lot of 
pods or when I'm talking to people is that Todd Bowley's smart. He bought the club where he had to buy it for like one, 2.7 billion or whatever. But then he had to commit to spending another 1.3 billion. And he's nearly at that number. So let's see if he continues to spend once he's got that fulfillment of reaching that budget of spending and see what they're doing. Because when you look at the players that they're buying, I'm not really too, too sure about the rationale because there's, like Richard said, you've got bare defenders, they've got a lot of midfielders and a lot of attacking players that play in similar in similar positions. So I'm not really too sure. So more of the story is I'm hedging my bets on the Chelsea stocks. Mm. I low-key agree with you, bro. Like when it comes to projects, like this is... This is a bit of me, this Chelsea project, because you're buying players that I wanted for my club. Romeo Lavia, Marlo Gusto, Enzo Fernandez, the list goes on. Mm. But when it comes to this, do you know what I don't get? Yeah. And this is why, this is, I'm not going to get onto Man United, but this is kind of my issue. Pep and Klopp, more, mostly Pep, has kind of given us the formula onto how to win in Premier League. Is that you... You can't just put 11 guys out on the field anymore like Fergie used to do and just crash it on teams. And we just say like, oh, you know what? We have 11 uh, better players than you. We're just going to win the league. That's not how it works anymore. Pep bought players that fits like profiles and player profiles is so key in modern football, right? So the only two teams I've seen recently, and fair enough, Liverpool were like this until they had to do a rebuild. And this is why Arsenal suddenly got good because Arsenal started buying profiles rather than just players right mm. so with Chelsea I'm like okay you're buying really good young players I think Marlo Costa is going to be sick Enzo Fernandez is we all know like he's a good player when you play in the best position uh Romeo Labia's 18 he's going to be sick like and Cuckoo you've got good players but I don't what I don't get is that you when it comes to like trying to win this Premier League one thing Pep has taught us and now even Arteta last season is that you've got to play your style of football and crash it on teams week in, week out. Because there's so like little margin for error in the Premier League. So I'm looking at this Chelsea project, and I'm like, you've just bought bare young players and said, you know what, we're, gonna, we're just going to slap them in a 4-2-3-1 and try and make it work. And to an extent, because these young players, I think, will be good players, I feel like it will only get you so far. I don't think I'm never. I don't think I'm going to see this Chelsea team win the Premier League anytime soon. It's because, like, look at that midfield. This midfield, Lavia, Caicedo, Enzo on paper sounds sick. But when you actually think of the profiles of the players, okay, where's Enzo's best best position? Yeah. Right, he's kind of like a deep eight. Where's Lavia's best position? Okay, he's a um, he's he's a six. But then when you look at um, Caicedo's position, okay, he can play six. But you know what? You can kind of play him as a deep eight too. Where's your Where's your Odegaard eight? Where's your? I, I didn't want to see how I didn't say Bruno. Where's your Odegaard eight? Where's your KDB type of eight in that <laughs> midfield? That's why I'm looking at that midfield, and yeah. that's not going to work. But all those three yeah, players. That's what Enzo's be. Say that again. That's what Enzo's meant to be. I don't yeah, think that's Enzo's role, that's though, not, as that's Enzo's role, bro. Enzo's best position, yeah. This is why he was. This is why he was perfect for Man United, bro. And it hurts me because Enzo's best role, yeah, is that deep eight. Is you're not the six, yeah, but I don't think player. he is. Them phase two to three players, bro. You don't play I'm like. Not, the thing is, I disagree. Is your phase one to two, your phase two to three, and then you have your your, your tens, even though the position's dead. Like that's I've, that's Enzo's best role, man. That's what we were seeing in Benfica that made you man want to slap that type of money to him, and that's what you kind of saw in the World Cup as well. That's his best mm. position. He's not he's not a ten, and he's not going to be your most attacking midfielder. That's not him. He's good enough to do it. Don't get it twisted. I feel like the brother's good enough on the ball to do it, but. All you need to do is play players in, the players in their best position. And because Chelsea have just bought bare young players, 
it's only going to get you so far, man. Like, you're not looking at the profile of these players and be like, okay, Poch wants to play this football. Poch needs this. Poch needs that. Poch needs this from there. <laughs> it's like bare young players together and say, you know what? We're just going to rebuild. And I'm not saying it's a bad project. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm just looking at this. I'm thinking, you're only going to get so far, bro. Like, this is what I don't get, bro. Like, we saw how Pep done it. We saw now that Arsenal were a good team because they started getting the right profiles for how Arteta wants to play. Like yeah. it's, it's not hard. But then, if I, I think, but isn't that kind of what? Because if you look at the previous seasons, um, whereas we had seasons where we go and sign the big money of Havertz, Werner, Thiago Silva. Um, I can't remember. There was a bunch of other players we signed that season as well. And this was after we just came off finishing top four with the likes of Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount, Pulisic, and these guys. And then the next season, you go and sign um. Lukaku as well, and you start bringing all these high-profile players, and these guys are just not working out for you. I feel like <laughs> remember we signed a lot of like thirty million signings and all that kind of stuff, which might not be they're nowhere near world class, but in terms of their playing style, might be what Poch wants or might be what Graham Potter wanted last season and stuff. And as I said, at the end of the day, is even if you want to go for the top top. When you look at the top wingers in the world, there's. It's so like scarce. I'm just using wingers for an example. If you want to use striker, it's so scarce to the point that the teams that do have them, they're just not going to sell them because why would they do that? I mean, you look at Vinny Jr., Saka, Martinelli, maybe, and it's like shoot else from there. So that's why I said it's one of those things where it's in they're going for players that are seem to be talented players, but then they might not be world class because I said there's not the talent pool right now. I said it's absolutely crap, anyways. And it's a thing where is in I feel like we're also doing a thing where is in we're buying so many players because no matter where you want to look at it, some of these players are gonna flop. But then maybe if you have enough majority of them or half of them will succeed or so. So it's interesting to see how it's gonna turn out. But yeah. So what do you think, Chelsea? I'm going to ask this. This is a question for both of you guys. To mm. start changing results, because I still don't... Like, I think long-term, I think you guys are calm. Like, I'm not going to say this project's not working, because I'm still down for it. I'm not... But I'm trying to think of, like, the immediate results. Like, when are we going to start seeing immediate results? Is it just when, like, more players come come off the, I was gonna say the IR list? But when more players come <laughs> off history? Or is it just, like, when is it this going to start changing? Because you can't keep losing to Nottingham Forest. Like, like everyone has a shot for that, I get No, 100%. It. But as I said... Man. I think the season's the issues this year is a slight a bit different from last year because I think obviously you still have the same injury issues, which at the end is not what I think was in when the injury stop because it's been going on for too long to say that this is us. But I feel like last year there was a lot of things as one is we had a lot of players that just didn't want to be there anyways. And obviously with the transition in the club and stuff like that, you can see Potter was clearly not the right guy for the job. And also I feel like this year is a bit different of Poch, in pre-season anyways, he seemed like he banged the whole system on whether Nkuki was fit. And when Nkuki goes down this, who does he trust to play in that role now? And he seems like he doesn't hasn't found the person for it yet. So now we've gone to this thing, whereas you're still playing the back four, but then you have the person of a back five on the pitch. So now you've got Chilwell over our left wing when he has no business being there. So I feel like there could just be little tactical changes that needs to be made and hopefully that should lead to us start winning games. I don't think the situation is as bad as it was last season. But at the same time, if the same thing keeps happening, you're just gonna reference I've been going on last season anyway. So it's still the same thing. Mm. What about you, Sam? I think 
in terms of Poch, I think he needs to change formation, go back to play a 4-3-3. And then also just play the best players in the right position. Because I think, like what you're saying, you spent so much money and I think even uh, Tony alluded to it as well. You've got Conor Gallagher starting. Don't get me wrong, he's a Cobham graduate and whatnot. But if you're looking to do stuff, Conor Gallagher shouldn't be starting with you, starting for you. Um, you're going to have to figure out how you're going to incorporate that midfield once everyone's fit. Because, like I said, the profile of the player, those players that they've got, Caicedo, Lavia and Enzo, not that they're very similar, but they do a lot of the same stuff. So you're going to have to kind of make sure that positionally you're telling them what to do. And then another thing that Tony said as well is I think Chelsea need to figure out what style of play they want to do. And in terms of signings, we see the signings are not from Poch. This is from hierarchy. And we mm. see it like, okay, cool. They're buying so many players just in that case of, cool, if they perform well over two to three years, we can sell them for a profit and get money. Like, two of the best teams that know to sell players in the Premier League are Man City and Chelsea. So that's not a problem. But I think they need to have, moving forward, ideally, a player profile in terms of what type of player they want and then also have a system so you can match the players that fit to that system. Similar to like what Tony said, Arteta figured out, cool, I've been at uh, City. This is what they've done and what they've achieved. I had to do something similar. And you saw that he signed Jesus and he signed Zinchenko and that elevated Arsenal into a different stratosphere. And also they played very different and it played they played better. They had Zinchenko inverting and they had um, Jesus playing as a false nine or the target man. So I just think Poch has to change formation and just play his best 11 because I don't know how you can have Mudrich, Madueke, all these great attacking options. And and they go, pa- I don't know, not Palmer, because I, I like Palmer, but there was always something about Palmer to me that I thought he's not that guy. As you know, they say in basketball, he ain't got that dog in him. He's not going to be that guy sure. that's going to achieve something for you. He's, he's a role player, isn't it? But you can't yeah. have those attacking prowess players and you've got Chilwell being your biggest outlet on the wing at some point. Do you know what I mean? You've got Sterling that's been in form um, and whatnot. So I just think they need to change holistically their style of play and the formation. Hopefully that can bring some, you know, promising results. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And I totally agree because that that alludes to my next point where it comes to Manchester United Football Club. And what you're so mad is that Pep has given us a formula, bro. I know I said this earlier, but like <laughs> he's given us the formula on how to do it. Klopp done it. He had his tight. He had his. He had his way of wanting to play, and he bought players that similar. He had that midfield of Henderson, Wijnaldum. He had the dynamic wingers of Salah and Mane, and like it's it's not hard. So so now I go on to my next point in Man United. We can talk about the result that they lost three one to Arsenal, whether Garnacho was offside on onside or not. But for those that don't know, and for those that are listening, me, I'm a Man United fan. I've watched my team dominate, and I've watched my team suck. But I feel like I've watched my team suck longer than they have dominated. Pause. But anyway, not the point. The point is, is that Man United, like I looked at that game yesterday and I told myself, like when we signed Mason Mount back in June, I told myself I'm not doing it this season. Like fair enough, I work in sports, so I kind of have to be aware of Man United and what's going on. But I told myself after that Mason Mount signing, I'm not doing it. And the reason is, it's not because of Mason Mount. I have my views on the player, but that's not really the case. The case is that, Man United won a lot of games last season, whether we like it or not. We finished third and we won a trophy. But all the games we won, we didn't dominate. We didn't control. I'm not saying we have to have 70% possession, but a lot of the games we won, we won because, fair enough, we had better players on the pitch. But the other team just didn't take their chances. 
And Ted Hart kept saying after pro, after press match com, uh, post match conferences, he kept saying, "We didn't control the game. We didn't control the game. We didn't control the game." So I was like, "Okay, cool. If you didn't control the game, let's get someone to control that midfield. Let's get like let, let's in summer. Surely that's what that's what you want to do, right? You wanted to sign Frankie De Jong all them years ago, and we didn't do it fair enough. There might be someone out there who's similar type of player profile who likes to play football. Because if we look at Man United's midfield that we played last season, we have an Ericsson, who's past his prime. We have Casemiro, who was Casemiro, but at the same time, for people that watch Casemiro, he loves to try that first-time ball a lot and bear often, and it's just not it. And sometimes, like, the Casemiro we saw and loved and that won five Champions League was destined to be a great player and was a great player, great player because he had two midfielders in front of him in which was Luka Modric and Tony Cruz. So really and truly, all you had to do in that midfield was sweep up and pass to them, man. He didn't have to do, but then he came to a Man United team which had Ericsson, McMuffin, and Bruno Fernandez in front of him, and he's thinking, okay, I have to do more than what I've done in my past how many years at Real Madrid. So mm-hmm. now I'm looking at this, I'm like, okay, cool, buy a midfielder, buy a controller midfielder. We didn't go do that. We went to go sign Mason Mount. We've already kind of low-key given up on this Mason Mount eight project because one, the brother's not an eight, and mm-hmm. two, he's just not the player to do it. So after that, so that is why when as soon as we signed him, I said, you know what? I know my club. I know that's going to be the only midfield signing that we're going to buy. I know we'll probably loan someone last minute because that's what that's just, that's what we're going to do. But as soon as we've done it in June, I was like, you know what? I'm not doing it this season because I'm not going to go through. I'm not going to go through the same thing that I went through last season, considering we all saw it plain as day and it's still happening. So yeah, long story short, that's not that's why I'm not going it going through with it with Man United this season. But I'm looking at this now, like that's me looking from the inside in as a fan, as someone watching Man United this season. But I want to ask you guys, like whether you watched the game or not yesterday, yeah. what is the like ceiling for United this season? Because I'm looking at this now, the only way we can kind of fix this issue that I've just said is mm. that Kobe Manu, like we've got some youth called Kobe Manu who's sick. Like he's going to be good. And, but we can't rely on some 18 year old to come into our midfield and play week in, week out. It's just not going to happen. And, mm. We've signed Amrabat, who is a six, but now we're going to have to play him next to Casemiro. So who's going to be the six? Now we've got two sixes next to Bruno, and Bruno's going to collect him deep. And we all know Bruno's best when he's near the opposition box because Bruno's not controlling games. He's not doing anything. And I don't really think... I've got my things on Bruno, but we're not going to get into that. So is it... Does Amrabat come and change that midfield? Like, how do Man United fix their issue? Because I don't see any way out, and that's why I'm not doing it this season. Quick, Quick thing, because... This is one thing I don't kind of I don't really understand with the United project and Ten Hag because when you know Ten Hag came in, everyone had this thought process of he's gonna play the Ajax style of way, he's gonna have that pep influence and come in and want to play, you know, possession football and dominate possession. And like Tony was saying again, there was some instance where you know Ten Hag would complain about not controlling the game or whatnot. But then in the next instance, he will tell you he wants to be the best transition team in the world. But if you are trying to control the game, the players that you're going to have to acquire are going to be different from the players that you're trying to create to be the best transition team in the world. Because when we've seen that, it, over the last couple of years, the best transition team in the world has been Real Madrid. And the type of players that they had were, they had great individuals. And at this present time, United don't have great individuals to be you know, the best transitional team in in the world, even though that's how they scored their goal yesterday. You've got that outlet of, if you can get the ball, you get Ericsson on the ball and he can find uh, Rashford straight away. We know what Rashford's going to do on the left. Pace, cut inside and shoot. Eight times out of 10, most likely he's going to score. But just in terms of what United are trying to build, 
I just don't really know because I expected a lot more from Ten Hag in terms of players that he's going to be buying, player profile and style of play. And I haven't seen anything that's kind of moved me. Even when we look at the players that he's buying, there's there's a thought process and there's a there's a common denominator. It's either he's managed them or they've played in Holland. That's like everyone that he's going to buy. And in terms of you want to dominate football, those players that you're buying are not going to do that. Amrabat's not going to do that. Obviously, Bruno doesn't do that. Mount's not going to do that. Do you know what I mean? And then being the best transition team in the world, you bought Anthony. Anthony's not going to help you do that because he ain't got no pace. So in terms of everything that's being said and coming out of the manager and stuff like that, there's a lot of contradiction. So just in terms of United and where they're going, I think it's going to be a long slug because it seems like the Glazers are not trying to spend as much money because the player that you brought on loan, you went to buy him, but you couldn't buy him. And now United are screaming FFP. I, since when? I thought United are the richest club in the world, but it's bro, bro. You see, you see it. You I see it. it. I, I, I don't get it, and I just feel like, in terms of, look, we've seen the top teams. Yes, you got pepped up by these players, but he's got a director of football to kind of help him. They've got a player profile. They'll say, here's five players that suit your 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 player profile, your style of play. Pick out of that five. And again, I'm going a little bit on a a long-winded answer, but we've seen it with Pep. He's even changed it now. He's seen everyone wants to try and play tiki-taka possession football. We're still going to do that, but if you look at the four signings that he's brought in, they're all ball carriers. We've got Garveda, who's a defender, but he carries the ball. We've got um, Kovacic, he carries the ball. Mateus Nunes, what does he do? Carry the ball. And then we've got Doku, that gives us pace to go direct and carries the ball. So, like, you, you have to have a bit of both, and I just don't see United in terms of style of players that they've brought in that's going to help them do anything great so more of the story i've said like i do think united are going to finish outside of the top four to be honest um no i said i kind of agree with what um i kind of agree with what sam is saying as well and obviously i know you say you don't want to talk about bruno because of like everyone knows what he is at this point but i've said it before and i've said it time and time again Although these guys might contribute to your numbers, I always feel like if Bruno and Rashford, if they continue to be the cornerstone of United's team, I feel like there's just no way that that team could win the Premier League or actually compete for it because those are just low IQ players to begin with. And we speak about with United time and time again, like player profile and all that kind of stuff. It's like they're a team that are still doing the thing of we'll just try and go for the big names. And obviously, I was even against the Casemiro thing to begin with because obviously I understand why they put him in. He, at the point, he was arguably the best DM in the world. So he went for him. But then again, the players you put around him because now you're asking Bruno to try and control the game, which he's not that. He needs to be further off the pitch as possible. And then upon that, who do you go and get? Mason Mount, which is another type of Bruno in terms of inconsistent performances as well. Um, you come and talk about you're going to replace Wambasaka, then Wambasaka doesn't get replaced, which he's improved, but I, in terms of like the top fullbacks in the world, I still, still don't think he's there yet. And then obviously, they obviously they replaced the hair with the whole passing thing, but then as much as you've now got a passing goalkeeper, you feel like you don't really have a controlling midfield that if Anana gives them the ball, they're going to progress the ball to the next level. Obviously, you've got a new striker, which the cameo I saw from him, they could still be promising things, but then... Hey. Sam... hey, I'll talk about that in a second, yeah. Yeah, oh, but then, as Sam said, the players that he has beside him, Anthony as well, like, I was asking him from last season, like, there's, all, there's just players that you've just seen enough from to know that this guy's not succeeding around here. And then, apart with all the on-field issues with style of play, I feel like with United, we've now seen it happen twice now, whereas in 
the manager has said something and publicly the player will come back and play. So it happened with Ronaldo last season and it looks like it's not happening with Sancho um, this year. So it's just one of those things and I never really even bought to the thing of where United finished in the top four because we've seen it for like six seasons now, whereas in United will finish in the top four, second or third, then the next time they finish outside. They'll finish, they did it with Mourinho, he finished outside, they did it with Ole and I think it's going to be the same thing with Ten Hag again. So there's just, that this club is just not stable, whether you look for on-the-pitch issues, off-the-pitch issues. At least, if I was just to say, at least with Chelsea, um, obviously, yes, Todd Bolly has made mistakes, but I feel like within the Chelsea fan base, they're still getting behind the owners and management for now anyways. In United, they've been singing Glazers out for as long as I can remember. So, it's just one of those things that I don't know if it can be fixed. It's just, it's, it's actually kind of peak. I'm saying that. No, you're not wrong. And there are, as a fan, I don't like the fan in me says that I still think we'll finish within top four, top five, wherever. But you're right. There's no immediate fix to this. Actually, no, there is. I'll tell you the immediate fix. And it's not even selling the Glazers because not selling the Glazers, the Glazers leaving. Because if the Glazers leave tomorrow, Richard Arnold's still in the job, John Murta's still in the job, Matt Hargreaves is still in the job. Now, for people that don't know, John Murta and Matt Hargreaves... John Murta's our football director, and Matt Hargreaves was brought in recently, who is the director of negotiations. And I looked... I Googled him this other day. I looked at his LinkedIn. His official title is Director of Negotiations, <laughs> which is insane, because really and truly, correct me if I'm wrong, a director of football can direct negotiations and, like, yeah. out for talent, right? So now we've got two people doing a one-man job. Anyway... But this is my issue with United. One thing we haven't done is that we've just bought players in a willy-nilly and we know how Ten Hag's ID works. Ten Hag has all these principles and he's like, you know what? If I don't know you, I haven't worked with you before, I don't know you can reach my principles, I'm not going to buy anyone else. So that's, it's going to cap us, and which you've seen it now. We're only capped to a certain extent because we don't have... We're the only like modern club to not have a very good director of football work hand-in-hand hand with the manager and just get the right profile of players. This is why we keep... We, keep making these mistakes constantly and constantly now and as i said after that mount thing i was just like you know what i'm not doing it this season because i've been trying my hardest to like try and support the things that may united are doing because fair enough if the glazers leave tomorrow their man are still in the job the only way may not get fixed if the, the glazers leave and richard arnold goes and not even richard Ar- no you know what screw it richard arnold because like we've all the everything that's happened within man united in the past how many years we are such a badly run club. And West Ham are a better run club. Like, it's getting embarrassing now that you're seeing lower league clubs, lower leagues. I, want, I, can't, even put, I can't even say lower because right now they're better run clubs than us. West Ham's a better run club than us right now. And bear in mind, these men wanted um, David Sullivan, Gold, and all their men gone time ago. They, and But somehow they're a better run club than us. West Ham brought in a director of football recently. Look at the signings they've gone made. They've gone they've gone got a J- James Ward-Prowse. But instead of adding just James Ward-Prowse to another West Ham midfield, what do they do? They went to go sign Edson Alvarez, who can work next to James Ward-Prowse. Because what does Alvarez do? He will run first and play football later. That's the West Ham way. They saw that profile and it makes sense. What did they go do? Go sign Kudus. You got Paqueta. You got Bowen. Like, you look at that. I'm, that's, a, that's, that's a way more structured team than what Man United have right now. And I'm looking at this and how can West Ham have a more structured team than Man United? It just makes me sick, bro. So I can go on and on and talk about like how Man United are not well-structured and not doing this. But like I told myself, you know what? 
I'm picking me this season. So Man United can say whatever and they can do whatever. But until I see those things go, we are only going to be capped at a certain extent. So I really like, and, and I think last season was our ceiling, bro. Because even though like we didn't play well a lot of games, we still won a lot of games. And Man United will win a lot of games because we play at Old Trafford and somehow we've got Old Trafford rocking again and we're un- unbeaten in how long in Old Trafford. But away form and one thing as well, the player mentalities, bro. When we lose, we lose badly. Like we don't just lose one nil and be like, ah, oh. their the heads just drop. I mean, Bruno, the captain, when things don't go his way, he moans. And listen, I'm not going to be one of them ones and be like, oh, yeah, Bruno's moaning. Like, oh, he's not my captain. Nah. But one thing I've seen, especially with the losses under Ten Hag, is that these players' mentality is once their head goes, it's gone, bro. Like that Liverpool game, bro. Like if you actually watch that game, even though we got thrashed seven nil for like the first 50, 60 odd minutes, you you never you never would have thought that'd be a seven nil game. Yeah. It was after them first few goals, their heads just dropped, and then boom, that was it. Even the six three at City as well, even though City played us on the park, you never thought it would be like a six three game. Like these losses when it comes to Man United. So I really don't know how it how this gets fixed. Even if like them man leave tomorrow, it's it's peak. I can go on and on 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 about this, but I'm not gonna do this, man, because it's the international break now, and you know what? Ban Man United. As I said, I'm not doing it this season. We can talk about Man United all we want, but I'm not doing it this season. But anyway, you man, that is my run over, and I am done. <laughs> I am done talking about United. So yeah, let's get on to our. What, what did I used to say when I was getting on to the next thing? I said, now it's time for the. What? Damn, it's been so long, bro. Yeah, now, it's time for, now it's time for this. Yeah, it's now it's time for this. I was like, yeah, that was our football section, and now it's time transition. For yeah, come on, man. I'm, bro, I'm going to be editing this and thinking, right, I don't even remember what I was saying. But yeah, that was our football section and now it's time for this. Kirk Cousins back to throw on fourth and 18. He's given time. He wants Jefferson. Climbs the ladder. Oh my goodness! Justin Jefferson pulled it in. The catch of his life. More shorthanded. Here comes Hines again. Oh, my goodness. Can he do it twice? Is this for real? Can you believe it? Even a little Dion strut to the end zone. 101 yards. Hurts has all day loaded up, taking a shot, looking for A.J. Brown. He's got it. Touchdown. All right, now we're on to our NFL section. And boy, the NFL season is back. We were just saying right. off, um, off air, like, how quick it's come. Like, the, the, the Super Bowl was time ago. I've watched the whole quarterback documentary. I've watched everything. I've been watching Broncos preseason. And now we are here. And Sam, I'm going to ask you, the first question I was like, mm-hmm. what are you most excited for in this, new, in this new NFL season? I've got what I'm excited for, but we'll let you go first. What are you excited for, bro? Do you know what it is? I would probably say I'm excited to see this NFC. Sorry, yeah, the the AFC battle because the AFC is stacked with so many quarterbacks. I, I could probably start naming them. I'm going to miss a few. Mahomes, Burrows, uh, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson. Um, that's just seven. I'm just naming. Trevor Lawrence as well. There you go. Trevor Lawrence, yeah. And I want to see it because... There's going to be some upsets because not all of them can make the playoffs, right? 
So mm. I think that's what I just want to see because in previous years, the, the NFC has always been better. It's always been the, the stack division, the glamorous division, got the quarterbacks, got the defensive end guys as well. But I think this year and last season was all about the AFC and I still think that's going to be the same. And now that you've got the Jets that are, in a sense, on a come up, like they've got Source Gardner, who in his rookie year was ranked what the best cube, the best uh, cornerback in in the league, and then you had the offensive <laughs> rookie. Yes. Well, he was all pro, though, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you had uh, Garrett Wilson, and then now you've added uh, Aaron Rodgers, and they've got their defense. I think they're gonna ball, but I'm just looking. If you ask me what I'm looking out for is Rodgers with the Jets and just the AFC in terms of how everyone competes. Mm. No, I totally agree, bro. The AFC is stacked. Like, it's ridiculously stacked. And, you know what? Let's, let's talk about the Jets because I know that's the team on everyone's mind. Mm. Obviously, with Aaron Rodgers, they had... They nearly made the playoffs. They had that run and then they lost and then they messed it up. But then you're looking at this Jets team now and you're thinking, okay, you've added Aaron Rodgers... Robert Sala, the head coach, Nathaniel Hackett's come back as an offensive coordinator, not a head coach, thank God, for the Jets. But I'm looking at this team and I'm looking at Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is on, de- on a decline. Not because he's like, because he, I'm not saying he's ass, but he's still Aaron Rodgers, so he's still going to be a good quarterback. But last season, he didn't have his greatest season. He had way more interceptions than he's had in in any of his any of his years. But the Jets are a young team and the, the Jets are on the come up, is, and that's what we saw from last season. But one thing I looked at, and I was speaking to a Jets fan yesterday who I work with, and yeah. he was saying, our season can go horribly wrong really quickly because our schedule is ridiculous. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, look at our first game. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you their first games, right? So first game is Monday Night Football, the Bills. Mm-hmm. Pro- probably B&L. No one would be surprised if they lose to the Bills. It's the Bills. They're the best team in their division. All right, next, they're at Jerry World. Mm-hmm. Against the Cowboys, I know Aaron Rodgers has good times in the Cowboys. I remember that um, that NFC divisional game where he made that pass um, at Jerry World. But again, yeah. that's that Aaron Rodgers of old, and that's the Green Bay Packers. They could lose that one. Then they got the Patriots. Okay, cool. You can beat the Patriots. Yeah, I believe in you, the Jets. Then what next? Okay, <laughs> they've got the Chiefs. Okay, that's an L. Then they've got the Broncos. I can't lie. <laughs> I think we're a better. No, nah, I'm gonna be real. It's, mm-hmm. it's at mile high as well. They could lose that easily. Cool. I feel like they will lose that. And then they've got the Eagles. So right now I'm thinking, bro, that's one and five. Like that's like they could go to a one. Like don't be surprised if they could go to a one and five start. Then they've got the Giants. Okay, um, battle of New York game. That'll be good. I think they can win that one. But again, you never know with it, with those games. Then they yeah. got the Chargers. Oh damn! Like Chargers are a decent team. Who knows about the Chargers? Raiders, okay, they can beat the Raiders. Then they got the Bills again. Then they got the Dolphins, Falcons. Like, bro, they could have a really bad record if they're not careful. No, like, I, I I hear that, bro. Um, but I think even in their division, I wouldn't say they're the best, but I think the Bills are gonna have some issues because, like I said in the group chat, Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen, they're not on the same page right about now. He was complaining about getting balls, and if you got a quarterback, hey, yo. <laughs> yeah, pause. Sorry, pause. <laughs> <laughs> there we go catching passes yeah or throwing enough passes to his number one receiver yeah and if we get into a situation where Josh Allen is starting to force it to Stefan Diggs to appease Stefan Diggs 
we know the equilibrium of that team is going to go left because now yeah. it's you're doing something that you don't want to do, but you're trying to appease Stefan. And I just think the Bills, like I said last year when we used to talk in a group chat and stuff, I said the Bills are on their clock. This this Super Bowl clock that they're on, they probably got at least one more year because yeah. you're going to have to pay someone on the defence. You're going to have to pay Josh Allen again. Stefan Diggs is going to go. Once you've used all that cap space, what receivers are you going to get? And I just think with the Jets, for example, we've seen it with two great quarterbacks that have gone to new teams. Yes, it Tom Brady, he went to the Buccaneers and it worked straight away. But we saw Peyton go to your team and it was a maturation of a little run. But my point is sometimes when you've got a young team, you just need an adult in the room just to safeguard you over the line. We don't need Aaron Rodgers to be throwing crazy numbers. All we need him is to be careful with the ball, yeah? Put Garrett Wilson in the right position. They've really got a good defence. They've got a defensive head coach. All we need you to do is get us over the finish line. We're not saying beat Aaron Rodgers where you're throwing for 500 yards, 400 yards. You can throw for 250, but just throw for like, you know, 30 out of 35. That's what we need you to do. Like, just safeguard the teams. I think we're going to see how good the Jets are. Like you said, they've got a stacked um, schedule. We're going to see how good they are. But we're also going to see how good these other teams are. Because we always we know of NFL, it's all about parity. You could be great one season, the next season, you've lost a few pieces. Everyone starts off on a, on a bad start. And you could be 0-4, 0-5 in no time. So I think, yes, they're on the, they've got a tough run. But there's some teams there that I can say... It's 50-50. The Cowboys, I don't think they're going to be that great. You know, it's Dak. There's no more Zeke. Let's see what we're going to do. Um, mm. There's other teams in there. So I still think the Jets are... They're, they're going to call some upsets on that on that first 10-week games that they play. So let's see. No, I totally I totally agree. When Because that's, that's going to go to my next point, is that when you have a good team, you don't need your quarterback to be great. You just need your mm. quarterback to protect the ball and maybe get... 250. We need them to be competent. And that's going to exactly. go to my next point. I feel like the, what I'm looking forward to, I know I said it last season, but Broncos country, I've got one more in me. <laughs> Words of VC in Atlanta, I've got one more in me, bro. And, and I've been seeing it. Yeah, like, Loads of people don't realise about this Broncos season and why I'm gas for it. Because I see a lot of people saying, oh, we could go 4-13. There's some people that see it, but those are the only people that watch, watch the Broncos and then kind of know what's going on. So yeah. for those that don't know, We've always had a good defense. Always had a top five defense. We've had the best red zone defense for the past how many years? And last season, we were all saying, "Okay, the Broncos need just a quarterback." And we just get that quarterback. We get that, and we get a head coach. They'll be a good team. They could be a playoff team. Even the NFL got gassed with that because we got. I said that as well, bro. We all did because we know that the Broncos are a good, a good team. They were just missing that vital piece. So we mm. brought in Russell Wilson. NFL were like, "Damn, like they've got their quarterback now, Russell Wilson. This is a Super Bowl winning QB." Like let's get him. Let's get them, let's get them seven seven primetime games. And I'm I'm sorry for everyone that was watched those primetime games. We were horrible. But the reason we smelly. were horrible, oh bro, we were smelly. And the reason we were smelly is because of Nathaniel Hackett, who is right. now is an offensive coordinator at uh, the Jets. So when we got Nathaniel Hackett, we thought we were getting Aaron Rodgers at the time. We thought, okay, yeah, they're going to come together. Aaron Rodgers is going to come. Yeah, that was that was the plan. And long story short, we knew from week one at the Seahawks last season that this man cannot call plays. And I'm sorry, you cannot be a head coach in the National Football League and not call plays. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. So, but we learned that from week one. It didn't take up. It took us until maybe week 14. I think he got fired. But put it that way, we finally fired him. 
And then we had a terrible season. We had the worst offense, I think, in the NFL. I think there was a time I had the worst um, offense in NFL history. And I think we averaged yeah. 15 points a game. And so it was a, it was a terrible. It, it, it went completely wrong. But one thing I saw is that once Nathaniel Hackett went, we got in an interim head coach and we went two, four, we went two to one. We just about lost to the Chiefs, beat the Chargers, and I f- forgot who we beat the last game. But we went two and one, right? So I thought, okay, cool. This team's not bad. Russ isn't that bad. Mm. Like, all we need is a head coach. So what do we go and do in the offseason? We bring in your guy, Sean Payton, a guy who's won a Super Bowl, a good offensive mind, a guy every time... I think I was reading some stats, like, every time he's um, with you guys in the Saints, he was always top eight in offense. So we've now got a experienced coach with a quarterback. And I'm looking at this, we still have a very good defense. Obviously, we still have, I think, the best corner in the league in Pat Satan. And I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, okay, Russ, we don't need you to be great. We just need you to be competent. And I think he's way more, I think he's capable of doing that. Fair enough, we're not going to win our division because we have the Chiefs in our division. The Chargers are the Chargers. As good as people think they are, they are a bozo franchise. And if you actually look at them, their schedule is actually pretty hard. And the Raiders, who knows are the Raiders and Jimmy G? So I'm looking at this now, I'm thinking, okay, AFC is stacked. But we've got a good enough defense. We've now got a good head coach. And now we've got Russ, who the, Russ is the only question mark. And if Russell Wilson is the only question mark in your team, I don't think yeah. that's a bad thing to go in because, bro, two, year, two, three years ago now, he was top two in the NFL 100. I know, I exactly. Think, bro, like, I don't think he's just yeah. completely gone. And the only season, gone. No, I'm saying you're right. It was only him and Lamar. It was yeah, Lamar bro. Was, he was two. Exactly. And the only. The only thing that we've now just completely written him off was a season in which he had a head coach who didn't know how to call plays. And for anyone that watches the NFL and for anyone that knows or watches or has even watched the quarterback documentary, you know how a head coach and of a head coach and a quarterback need to be hand in hand because they're, they're the people, commu- bro. They need to be a tandem. They're the persons communicating to them. So if someone can't call plays, of course we were going to suck. So now yeah. we've got Sean Payton. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, we cool. We won't win another division, but we can make the playoffs. And hey, last time we made the playoffs, I ain't gonna say it, but we won. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Now, listen, I'm not saying we're gonna win the Super Bowl, but I feel like the Broncos are gonna be a team that surprise people because if our only question mark is Russell Wilson going into this new season. It's not that bad. And I'm looking at it. Okay, cool. The Raiders. Yeah, we can beat the Raiders. We might have a bit of a tough schedule. It's not that tough, though. And I think we can finally beat the Chiefs. Like, I've got us... For those that don't know, I think the Chiefs are 14 and... Well, ever since Patrick Mahomes came into the league, we haven't. Yeah. Been, and we've never beaten Patrick Mahomes. Even though I we could... We'll get one. Like, I'll take one win over the Chiefs. It doesn't have to be at Burrowhead. It could be mm. at Mile High. Like I, I'm, I'm here for it. Like just, yeah. we just need to beat them once. So that's my team. Uh, that's my team. That's gonna surprise. I was gonna ask about you, man, and the Saints as well because I feel like you man might win your division. Before we go into the Saints, I want to just kind of say two things about your Broncos, and I've always had a soft spot for them. And I think obviously when Russ went there at that time, Russ was my favorite player in the game. Was my the best for me? I saw him as the best quarterback. But one thing I also think that's going to help him is that he's going to a coach in Sean Payton that is a great offensive mind that's also going to understand him. Do you know why? Because he managed an all-time great that had a similar prototype to him in Drew Brees. So, like, it was 
we know Drew Brees, as he got older, didn't have, a, have the arm. Russ has got that arm. But what we're going to see with um, Russ and Coach Payton is that we're probably going to see Russ in the pocket more often. But also, it's going to be those not trying to get the 40-yard bomb. Take this five-yard here. Take this 10-yard here. Then you go for the play action. Whereas mm. at, with Russ before... Nathaniel Hackett, he couldn't really call plays. It was always looking for that big play and never just eating up the yards that the defense gives to you. And I think Sean Payton's going to put Russ in a position where we're going to see Russ of when he was at the Seahawks, similar to um, under uh, Pete Carroll, which is, is who isn't a great offensive mind. But they said, take these little yards they're giving you. And then when we have the opportunity, do the play action fake, then we can get that big bomb that you was getting to um, Tyler Lockett. And you can do it with the Broncos. So I still, I think the Broncos will make the playoffs. As you said, I don't think they're going to win the division because the division is very tough. But I've always liked the Chargers as well. I look that AFC West for some reason. I like that division because I like the Chiefs, I like the Chargers, and I like uh, the Broncos. But I don't know if we're going to get all three of them going through. This um, is the thing. Right? This is the thing. Oh, you bro. never knew that division, bro, because all of the all those teams right now could make the playoffs. Mm, and then you that AFC West, like someone big is going to miss because you still got in the AFC East, the Jets can make the playoffs, the Bills yeah, can make the playoffs, exactly. the Dolphins can make the playoffs. Like exactly. AFC is stacked, and then you think of the North, the Steelers, the Bengals, the Ravens. Like someone's going to have to, someone's going to have to go. Bro, you said that, and you forgot, and you forgot the Browns, the Bra- the Browns, and even the South. Okay, the only team in the AFC South is going to be the Jags, but they're only going to be they're only going to be in the playoffs because they won the division because that division's ass. Yeah. But other than that, like someone big is going to have to miss the playoffs. Well, shit, it's it's going to come, come down to who has a better team. When we're talking about uh, QBs, I forgot my guy, Deshaun. Obviously, he had a rough start to the season, but later on he performed well. And now he's going to have a whole season under his belt and then go into a new season with their... They've got Stefanki as their coach that loves to run. And then you can use the play action fake. And Deshaun's got the arm. He's got the leg. So I, I still love Deshaun in terms of what he can do. There, there's so much talent in the AFC. So that should be great. In terms of the Saints, um, I'm always optimistic because that's my team. And I think we've made some great signings. We brought in Williams, the running back from the Lions. Obviously, we've got AK41, Alvin Kamara. We've got Mike Thomas. We've got Chris Olave. Um, you know, we're always stacked on offense. We've got our defense. You know what I'm saying? Mashon Lattimore, um, Cam Jordan. Uh, what's it called? Mar- what's his name? Something. Mario. I forgot his name. The linebacker. So we're there. And I wouldn't say we've got the QB that we got, but I think we've got a competent QB that can help us get over the line. Um, as we all know, the NFC South isn't that great. You know, you've got the Buccaneers starting uh, Baker Mayfield all the way from Tom Brady. There you go to um, Baker Mayfield. The the Falcons, I don't know who their quarterback's going to be. And then in... Um, Carolina, you've got a rookie in Bryce Young. So we should win it in terms of our skill set um, and our team. The only one issue I'm always worried about is Dennis Allen. He's not a great offensive mind, very defensive. He was our mm-hmm. defensive coach. And I think this season, because last year he was trying to run the offensive plays, forget that, stick to running the defense, get Carmichael to run the offense, and we can put up numbers. Do you know what I mean? So I think we're going to win it by default because the division ain't great. But as you know, once you get into the playoffs... Anyone can win, so that's what we need to do. Get into the playoffs, and everyone's got a fighter's chance. Mm. I saw something on. I think I want to say it was Sports Center. I, I don't remember. I don't remember where I saw it, but I saw it on Instagram the other day, and it was like 
don't be surprised if. And one of the don't be surprised if is don't be surprised if the Saints had the number one seed in the NFC. Now, I know that sounds, yeah, I know that sounds a bit crazy, but then I yeah. saw it and I looked at your schedule. And we all know Derek Carr. Like, I'd saw Derek Carr in my division for so long, so I know what I'm getting with Derek Carr. Yeah, he's he's a above average quarterback, mm. right? So I'm looking at I'm looking at your schedule right now, and I'm looking at all the quarterbacks he's going to go up against. Your first week is the Titans. Tannehill's still the quarterback, right? I believe so. Right. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Tannehill. Okay, week one, week two, Brass Young, rookie. Week three, Jordan Love in the Packers. Week four, Baker Mayfield, better Ooh. QB. Week five, um, Dan, um, not Daniel Jones. Who's the Patriots? Um, Fingy. Mac. Oh, Mac Jones. Mac Jones. Yeah, there you go. Texans. Yeah. Oh, Jags. CJ. Uh, exactly. CJ Stroud. Texans. Okay, Trevor Lawrence has a good quarterback matchup. The Colts. Anthony Richardson. Rookie Bears. Again, Justin yeah. Fields. Okay, fair enough. Vikings. Okay, decent. Falcons. Desmond Ridder. I think he's going to be starting. Like, I'm looking at this. You're the Lions. Okay. Um, Jared Goff. Jared. Then the Panthers again, then the Giants, then the Rams, then the Falcons, then the Bucks. The hardest, the best quarterback you'll go up against is either Kirk Cousins or Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence, yeah. That's crazy. Like, That's crazy. I'm looking at your schedule. Your schedule's really like your the Saints have always been a good team. You've always had good pieces. Mm. And now I think your wide receiver room is very good. Obviously, we mentioned the names earlier. You've now got a good average, okay, an above average quarterback. Like, is it mad to say that you could win the NFC? Like, I'm not saying that you are going to, but do you know what surprised? I think it sounds good, but to be honest, like, like my pick for the NFC is the 49ers. I just love them. Like, offensively, wavy. Defensively, oh Joey Bosa, that's my guy. Like, like they they're just stacked on defense. They got Fred Warner, they got everyone then. On offense, they got Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Kettle, Kittle, sorry. The only, the only surprise is that they didn't... I don't think they gave Trey Lance enough time. I, mm. I do like uh, Brock Purdy, but again, it's going back to that situation, what we just said with Aaron Rodgers. You don't always need a, a quarterback that's going to get you four, four, 400 yards. You just need a competent QB that can get you over the line. And we've seen... But do you think that's Brock Purdy, though? Like, I know he had that run... Obviously, but this guy was drafted as Mr. Irrelevant, right? Mm. Like, I think going into the season, like, the 49ers window is closing. I'm not saying it's closing now, but it's closing, bro. And with that stacked team, because bear in mind, we beat the 49ers last season. People forget. So, like, the 49ers are a stacked team. Don't get it twisted. But if you couldn't get over the line with that stacked team with someone like Jimmy G, how are you going to get over the line with someone like Brock Purdy? Like, I'm not saying Brock Purdy is a bad quarterback, but I need you're gonna need a bit more because Jimmy G's not a bad quarterback. No, I I hear that. I I don't have faith in it because I just don't think Brock Purdy has that X factor. At least Trey Lance, he could use his legs and he could throw. Um, but they just said, you know, forget this project. Whereas I think with Brock Purdy, they're saying, you know, we're gonna rely on the playmakers that we have on offense and defense, and he can just get up, get us over the line by throwing for like 230 yards every game. Mm. Um I don't know. And, and it's just a shame because you see me yeah, right about now. I'm like, I love college football as well. But right about now, I'm just intrigued by Caleb Williams in it. I wanted to go somewhere he can win. And 
no, no one, the 49ers is not going to tank for him and they ain't got no picks to trade for him. But if they could find a QB that's got an X factor, I like it's crazy. Remember, they was in the there was in a draft year where they was in a position they didn't even have to, they could have stayed where they was and they could have probably got Justin Fields. Justin Fields would have fitted nicely into that team because we see what he's doing with the Bears now as a dual threat. And I think if they had that, how could you stop them? Because you don't know if they're going to run the ball. And if they do want to throw, he's got great targets. Debo Samuel, mm-hmm. Kittle, and Brandon Ayuk. And then you've got the dual threat of he can run, but he might pass it to Debo Samuel that sets up as a running back. And we've always known with the 49s, they're great by running back by committee. So it's a it's a bit of a shame, but I still do have the 49ers as the favourites for the NFC, which to be said, the NFC isn't great. If you yeah. take out the if you take out the 49ers, I couldn't can't really tell you a standout team. People could say the Cowboys, Minnesota, but we know what you know. What Chris, uh, talking about the Cowboys and Minnesota, that that's that says it all, bro. Exactly. Like, it's, not, it's not great. That's you why I feel I mean? like you guys could do something. Yeah. I, I think if we were to say that and you, you had to say, okay, Sam, where do you think they would finish in the AFC? I probably think they could probably finish 13 with, sorry, they could finish second with maybe a 12 and five record or 13 mm. and four, just based on the schedule that you told me. I don't think it's that great. And even the teams that you said are great, like a Minnesota or a Jacksonville, I think we could upset them, to be honest. So to wrap up, I'm going to ask you this. Is there one team, like, other than the ones we mentioned that we haven't mentioned earlier? Like, I'm going to mention Baltimore. I feel like, obviously, Lamar, we haven't seen a bit of Lamar yeah. last season. But now Lamar's got weapons. Baltimore still have a team defense. Is there one team that you're looking forward to? Because I'm thinking Zay Flowers. I'm thinking OBJ. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to see that OBJ remontada. Like... Ooh. But like Baltimore are my team to look out for. Is there one team you're looking? I'm thinking, okay, like these these men can cook if they have the right pieces and it goes well and they stay healthy. I think I'm gonna have to jump on that bandwagon. It's, you see it in it. You see it. Baltimore. It is Baltimore. Like it's 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 so funny because this one thing I love about NFL. Like I've got my team, but there's so many players that I like in the sport that allows me to have that grace of liking other teams. I've so like teams, yeah. I was gonna say the Bengals, but we know what the Bengals are. You know, Joe Shiesty, Jamar Chase. Um, what's the other? What's the other receiver? T. Higgins. Yeah, T. Higgins. And then on defense, they got Trey um, Hendrickson. Like, I just love what they're doing. But if you was to say, because my my favorite player in the NFL, like, I always have to. It's always OBJ. From when he was at, you know, the Giants, he did what he did. Then I always wanted to get a ring. Everyone was hating on him. He eventually got that ring. And if he didn't get injured, he probably could have been the MVP of that Super Bowl, which would have been insane. Internet mm. would have blown up. Um, and I just wanted to see him do good. So I'm going to definitely go with, with the Ravens because I think if now Lamar has got the weapons and he's trying to say, look, I don't want to run no more. I want to be in the pocket and throw. If we can see Lamar throw consistently... And we know Baltimore's always got a great defense. I think they can cause lots of upsets, man. Nobody wants to meet them in a wild card or whatever. So you're right. I think I'll definitely go with um, Baltimore. You're totally right, man. Because like we've seen Lamar at his best. He he's one of the best running runners we've ever seen. And plus, the brother can throw. I feel like he's hmm. I feel like because he's so good at running. Like people don't realize. Like the brother's he's a quarterback at the end of the day. He will, he will prefer to throw the run. But he can, mm. he's so good at both and he's so elusive. But now we've given him weapons. 
well, at first you had Hollywood Brown, but that that was the the that was his primary target back then. Obviously, you had Mark yeah. Andrews as well. But now you've got OBJ. Now you've got say Flowers. And one oh. thing I've seen recently is like rookie wide receivers are just becoming it coming balling. into the league and they're balling. And then now that like we saw it with Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, oh. Chris Olave, like these and Garrett Wilson, like these rookie wide receivers are just coming in and just balling out, bro. Like I'm not sure it's because they're just more athletic and they're just getting more and more athletic each year, but they're just balling out. And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. yo, Baltimore, like, even though the AFC North is kind of stacked, like, you can make an argument for all them teams. I'm thinking, teams, yeah. I Baltimore, know. One of them's going to miss out. Exactly. And one of them's going to have to miss out. And I'm thinking, all right, but, but Baltimore is going to be the team that um that I'm going to be watching and I'm looking forward to. But having said that, man, it starts this Sunday. Well, it starts this Thursday, actually, with the Lions and the Chiefs. Yes. And I'm looking forward to it. And then I think... um. Denver playing the Sunday, but you know, hashtag beat the Raiders and that. But uh <laughs> listen, people, thank you for listening to another episode of the Zone LDM podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at the Zone LDN on Instagram at the uh the zone underscore LDN. And we will start uploading clips on TikTok as well. If you guys like TikTok, because I know people have TikTok. I need to start using TikTok. I think only my girl sends me TikToks. So that's about it, bro. Like yeah, that's, the algorithm is mad. The algorithm is mad, isn't it? So that's 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 all I know. But yeah, Sam, you know what to do, man. The floor is yours. I don't mean to plug it because we're all one. It's just it's the zone all the time. You see, you see the, the name in, in the handle. If you want to go and follow it, follow it. But it's a family thing, so I don't even need to plug myself. The zone to the world and back. Let's go. The zone to the world and back, people. Thank you for listening to another episode. And ah, oh, it's it's been good to say this. Until next time, people. Come on. Shout out Eight Away Mello. Martial is isolated. Skirtle here. Oh yes! Welcome to Manchester United. Anthony Martial. Rogers in trouble. It's going to get there. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry, way down top.